podcast, Greater Than Yourself, Season 3. Do you have an idea for an episode or question for John and Fred? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. All right. Uh, it's been a while since I've done this. <laughs> I feel like a vapor lock right at the first sign of hitting record. Okay, so perfect start. Welcome back to Podcast Greater Than Yourself. My name is John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And with us this week is our esteemed s- snowboard sensation guest, Johnny M. Uh, skier, but you know, that's all right. Skier. Oh, okay. I, I thought we were talking about snowboarding this whole time. Uh, skiing, yeah. So a dinner roll is a skiing trick? There are tricks in... Wait, there's tricks in skiing? I thought you said you have been watching the Olympics. That was him. Oh, that was me. me. That was me. <laughs> no, I thought the trick in skiing was going fast and jumping off a big thing. Yeah, we've been very influenced by snowboarding the last 20 years. We're grabbing our skis. We're doing flips and spins now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're going on, on to go, go method for this episode and just actually <laughs> pretend to be Johnny Mosley. That's what's happening. <laughs> Wait, we were supposed to give a, a, a fake name? <laughs> oh, man. I and am that, Johnny Mosley. <laughs> right, yeah. In, in that convivial tone, uh, let's introduce our happy topic for this week, which is page 151 of the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's um, it's the, the yin to the... End of the chapter's yang, I think. You know, mm. it's like it's it's kind of such a bummer of an opening on this chapter, mm-hmm. and then the and then the uh, the last page is just like uh, just it's like I hear violins and stuff every every time it's, I hear, hear it read. It's like it's it's the Olympic Committee to Johnny Mosley's <laughs> dinner roll. Right. At first, they were skeptical. It was a real downer, and then by the end, you're like, this is a new sport. <laughs> Wow, I'm learning all kinds of stuff about the Winter Olympics right now. <laughs> yeah, well, we, you know, friends, you know, many of our listeners are familiar with our um, often visited uh, food corner. They've, right. they've, we don't often stop by sports corner here, but when we do, <laughs> it is real fucked up. Yeah, we go with sports that are super popular, <laughs> like moguls. My. Uh, my pickled herring in baseball analogy shook the core of our listenership. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think let's just start off by reading. Conveniently, there okay. are three paragraphs. For anyone not keeping track at home, there are three of us. So, <laughs> Fred, if you would begin. Sure. So, chapter 11, a vision for you. For most normal folks, drinking means conviviality, companionship, and colorful imagination. It means release from care, boredom, and worry. It is joyous intimacy with friends and a feeling that life is good, but not so with 
with us in those last days of heavy drinking. The old pleasures were gone. They were but memories. Never could we recapture the great moments of the past. There was an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. Mm. All right. Uh, the less... <laughs> I, I love that I get this paragraph. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's really telling a story with this one. This is like your favorite paragraph. <laughs> the less people tolerated us, the more we withdrew from society, from life itself. As we became subjects of King Alcohol, shivering denizens of his mad realm, the chilling vapor that is loneliness settled down. It thickened, ever becoming blacker. Some of us sought out sordid places, hoping to find understanding, companionship, and approval. Momentarily we did. Then would come oblivion, and the awful awakening to face the hideous four horsemen. Terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. <laughs> now and then a serious drinker, being dry at the moment, says, I don't miss it at all. Feel better, work better, having a better time. As ex-problem drinkers, we smile at such a sally. We know our friend is like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up his spirits. He fools himself. Inwardly, he would give anything to take half a dozen drinks and get away with them. He will presently try the old game again, for he isn't happy about his sobriety. He cannot picture life without alcohol. Someday, he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. <laughs> I need my inhaler. Man. What a, yeah. What a I mean, buzzkill. We started, it's like, these three paragraphs can take, just take the wind out of any room or at least any room with alcoholics in it. Just, um, despair, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. Mm. And it is so true. Just like, uh, I've been there. Right. And it's, it's a serious topic, right? Like, uh, yeah, uh, it's a total bummer. (laughs) Like you're saying, uh, this sucks. Um, because I mean, like, I mean, there's a lot to say here, right? There's a lot that sucks about this (laughs) being a, uh, an alcoholic. One thing that, that, that really, that really sucks is that no, even if I think I'm okay, even if I put down the the drink, right? I put the plug in the jug and I don't know, maybe I go to a few meetings and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like life's a lot, you know, life's better, you know, not drinking. Right. But if you're, if you're a real alcoholic, it's like, yeah, that doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) that you think (laughs) that you think you you got it licked this time that you feel better. You work better. You're having a better time. You don't miss it at all. Hell, I think, you know, I'm okay because I don't want to drink. How many times have we heard that right. in the room, right? New people come in. No, no, I'm good. I don't even want to. <laughs> uh, I mean, the sad truth is, is yeah, you're uh, like a boy whistling in the dark to keep up your spirit. And it might not feel like it. It might not seem to you that that's the case. But earlier in this text, it tells us that wishful thinking uh, will avail us nothing. Right. right? Like if you're a real alcoholic, like I am, um, it, it, it doesn't matter if I'm, you know, 
feeling all right, you know, putting down the, the drink or going to rehab and I'm on that pink cloud, you know, cause I get to talk about my feelings for, for 30 days and all the attention's on me. Right. I'm feeling really good. When I get out of treatment. That doesn't, that doesn't matter because like we don't have the ability with it. We don't have the power within us to stay stopped. Right. And that's true. Even when like things are going well. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, how many times have I left treatment, right. Being on that in that pink cloud being like, I got it figured out this time. Right. Right. <laughs> and then come to find that, um, he will presently try the old game again. Right. And that, that's true. It's just at some point, um, I tell myself, let's, let's give this thing another go. Uh, maybe this time will be different or maybe I just have a mental blank spot and I'm not thinking at all. And I'm at a party and somebody hands me a drink. And I just, I just take a drink and I, and I didn't even think about it. Right. Or I'm just like, get to such a shitty place in sobriety where I'm so torn up. And I'm just like, well, fuck it. Right. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like I want something other than the way I'm feeling now. Um, so anyway, yeah, like, sorry. That was, this is just, a, this, this is just a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is super awesome. <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, all right. Well, that was it. That was fun. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Enjoy your dinner rolls and your stale fish tunas. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think something kind of occurred to me when you were talking. I think that, I don't know, just think about it now. I think that the most often um, example of like that I see, like the most op- often type of boy whistling in the dark experience that I see is that is exactly what you described, which is like a dude at a meeting who's like, you know, smacking his gum and, you know, like slamming a, like a a 78 ounce bang energy or whatever. Um, (laughs) And, and just like, you know, doing, doing, a bunch of things that are suggested, but not doing any of the things that are required to required. To, yeah. <laughs> to, to recover, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I think there's there's two tragedies to that. One is, uh, or two types of tragedy with that. One is that the, the the person has been presented with that course of action and just been like, nah. No, I feel good. I feel fine. I'm I'm good doing this. Yeah. Or they've just never been presented with that course of action and they've been presented with all these other things that really equate to hey, you'll feel better. You'll work better. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll right. you'll have a better time. Um and so they they um in that second scenario mistakenly think that they are very busy doing the dang deal. <laughs> <laughs> as it were, as you hear it phrased. Yeah. And I think that that is a really scary and very pervasive kind of whistling in the dark thing that you see in the fellowship hmm. everywhere. Yeah. What, when you were talking Johnny M <laughs> and, and you were mentioning like coming out of treatment and being on the pink cloud, you know, like I think there are a lot of people coming out, or, or stepping into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, specifically coming from a place, you know, like maybe they've been in a in a short term, you know, treatment center or whatever. And and I actually don't think maybe that this last paragraph applies to them because I think in their mind, 
they do feel like they've got the solution, whatever they got mm-hmm. handed, right? Like they do believe that like, you know, uh, like John was just talking about, like that, um, you know, just get into that room every day and getting in touch with their feelings and journaling or whatever it is that, you know, uh, doing their IOP or whatever. Like, I think it's, um, you know, this is describing somebody who's a little, maybe they've done that now for a hundred days, you know, and now they're still showing up with this like kind of facade, but inwardly they're just wretched right and they're just ravaged inside um and you know the the first line right is like for normal folks mm. and you know i mean the thing is i know these people right right drinking means like my wife you know for my wife and for her brother and for a lot of these other folks that i'm around like Drinking does mean conviviality and companionship and colorful imagination. And there are moments when I can allow myself to go to that place of like, oh, yeah, I see what they're doing. <laughs> this is something, you know? Right. But then if I just like walk it out a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I could have I could have a beer. But then immediately I'm like, and some meth. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there is no like, I know that. I know now because I have uh, something that stops me from putting my hand on the stove. I know now I have the defense against that first drink that tells me that, um, that for me, the old pleasures are gone, Hmm. that I cannot recapture the old days, right? Um, That there is no miracle of control that is going to show up in my life. Right. Um, But these folks in the last paragraph, um, they still believe Right. Cause it says, um, they still believe that they cannot picture a life without alcohol. Right. And they, are, they and it says the next line, right. It's like, someday, someday they'll be able to, they'll be unable to imagine life with or without it. And that's when we need to be here. Right. Right. Not before this, the day that all you can do is picture life without alcohol or you can't, sorry, you can't picture life with alcohol. Well, you're not ready for Alcoholics Anonymous. The problem is we're just pushing everybody to AA right. <laughs> in that stage, right? But we need to get them to the place where they're like, holy shit, not only can I not picture life without alcohol, I'm now seeing that I can't have a life with it either, right? right? And when and then that middle paragraph will, will just, I mean, that to me is like, when when you were reading that, John, I can put myself... In that, where I've been in that place, right, multiple times in my own life, where you would come out of oblivion, and I mean, just those, listen, these two words, awful awakening, mm. right? Yeah. Can you guys not just put yourself into a place where you've? <laughs> I have not woken up in an awful awakening right. in many years, right, right. <laughs> but there were many years where I woke up in awful awakenings. <laughs> like several times a month. Sure. You know? Um, and, and that paragraph just rings so true, but I think there's just this huge group of people and they just have yet to experience that middle paragraph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they experienced that middle paragraph and then for whatever reason are being propped up <clears throat> by something else. Um, <sighs> where they're able to sort of like, live in denial of, of that like experience, which I would consider a gift of desperation, right? When you, mm. when you, are, when you awake to that, to the terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair, right? 
you, you desperately want to seek help. Um, but then, yeah, it's like paragraph three, it goes on and it's like, well, then you have like a different case right now. And then we get a serious drinker who isn't feeling terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And they are in this place where they're like, well, I don't miss it at all. I feel better. I work better. I'm having a better time. And like, to me, like, that's like the, um, that's a, that for me, like, that's a scary, like, that's the scary place. Right. When I, when I see a newcomer who's in that mindset, who like, clearly in the past has shown you know signs that they're a real alcoholic right um and then they're in but they're in this place where like oh i don't feel this at all i feel better i work better like i don't like i don't um like i don't even think about it right or like or like like i don't even want it right that when i see see new people like that or like the same person in treatment you bring a panel in it's the same guy in treatment that like was there uh i don't know three months ago and he's yes. back and he's like no this time is different because like i don't even want it like that freaks me out because like those are the ones that like don't they don't make it <laughs> in my experience right. like yeah like um right so i so anyway so i guess what i'm saying is like when you're in like that state in, in, in paragraph two it's like good we can work with that <laughs> right? right like you have to give to desperation right you're going to want to like take the solution very seriously but when you're in that mindset of step three it's like oh man like or sorry in that third in step three but that third paragraph mm-hmm. uh, yeah that's that's scary and i and you might be right uh uh fred that like <laughs> that on the inside like they would inwardly wish to give anything uh to you know to have the half a dozen has the half a dozen drinks and get away with it yeah like that that might be totally right. Anyway, when you, when you brought that up, it reminded me of like the opening of like chapter three of more about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just like, yeah, no one wants to admit they're a real alcoholic. Right. We all want to think mm-hmm. that we're, you know, we're not bodily and mentally different from our fellows. Right. Like we have this great obsession that we're going to someday control and enjoy uh, our drinking. And like a lot of us are going to pursue that insanity into the, you know, pursue that into the, into the gates of insanity or death. Right. Like, I think there's a good reason that the book doesn't go um, out of its way to like include different types of consequences, like mm-hmm. like that it really really focuses on uh, this internal condition and like stops talking about external circumstances when it butts up against the wall of like you have to go certain you know, length, you have to go this far or that far. It just really goes to like, Oh, uh, you know, the second paragraph thing. It's like, well, all of that shit is like, that's rock bottom stuff. And there's not a single external circumstance mentioned. Right. Right. And so, you know, when you were talking, I, I I'm la- <laughs> So there's this idea, right. And the bottom of the second paragraph, it says all this fucking horrible shit, right? And it kind of like paint, paints like a Boris Vallejo painting in the second paragraph. Of, you know, it's like this spooky, like fucking Mordor and shit. And, you know. <laughs> and then it goes, unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand exclamation point. <laughs> and it's like, it, it cracks me up because it's like every time I read it, I'm just like, I I feel every word of this page. Mm. I have been the dude that you were just talking about, Johnny Mosley, uh, gold medalist. Um, <laughs> I have been that dude so many times mm. where I did experience paragraph two, and then this window of opportunity 
was there, and I didn't take advantage of it. I did some other thing that seemed way more convenient to my life, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I now I don't I don't think that necessarily that attitude is what stood in my way, like the attitude of like, you know. I want to do something more convenient or more easy because I will tell you 10 times out of 10 that when I finally recovered, the easy thing to do was to do the steps. That's where I was at. I was like, it's death or this. I'm, I'm fucked. I'm out of options. The easy, like I was being forced down this funnel and it was like, there was one fucking way to go. Everything else, it was brick walls. So the easy way, you know, the more convenient way for my life was like, okay, I'll try that. And that, that was it. So I don't think it's really so much about that attitude in my experience. In my experience, it's like, okay, I've experienced these first two paragraphs. Well, you know, mainly paragraph two, right? But then what sewed it up was the end of paragraph three, you know, Mm -hmm. someday he will be unable to imagine life either with alcohol or without it. Then he will know loneliness such as few do. He will be at the jumping off place. He will wish for the end. I don't think you can do the 12 steps without experiencing that. And I think that that is the most important part of the whole reading. Right. Because all, all all of my circumstances are, you know, different from you guys, right? Different, like, drug that brought me to my knees or whatever it is. You know, I was at a different place in my life. I was, you know, led a different kind of life. But, like, I experienced that paragraph two stuff over and over again mm-hmm. with varying degrees of willingness to do anything about it and mm-hmm. varying you know, success with whatever attempt at whatever I tried to do. But eventually I got to a place where I was wishing for the end. And I, I was like, I like, like, what is your freak name? Fred, like Fred was saying, I like, that's how long it's been. We I can't know, even remember each other's fake names. <laughs> I was at a place where I was literally like, okay, um, I, I have no options, you know? So, and this is again, what, fake man Fred was saying this is Mm -hmm. again what you were saying someone was there in that window of opportunity to present me with this information you know yep and like we talk about a lot this season it wasn't I mean obviously it wasn't okay 90 meetings (laughs) you know it wasn't that kind of shit obviously but it also wasn't well you need God you know it was Mm -hmm. Hey, oh, you, oh, you, you're miserable, huh? Okay, well, let's talk about alcoholism. Let's mm. talk about this problem, and then we're gonna get to a place where you know that guy is like, oh, yeah, this guy's a real alcoholic, and right. he's expressing interest in a solution. Okay, here's the solution, you know. Um, and the more that I sponsor people who get to start sponsoring people the more simple it gets to just be like, literally the book just tells you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly what you do. I just said what you do, right? The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. This week on the Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, snotty contrarian, quit-lit author of Quit Like a Woman, founder of Hip Sobriety, and Tempest Recovery, 
Holly Whitaker. My path to recovery with having established an unhealthy relationship with substances involved brief dalliances with numerous treatment modalities. Oh, no, that's interesting. Oh, it's interesting. Uh, and in my book, Quit Like a Woman, uh-oh. this outdated notion of alcoholism being an illness is shown to be a myth mm-hmm. perpetrated oh, by okay. straight, white, cisgender males to gatekeep people's healing. Oh, oh and, and it's it's such an important perspective. Such an important perspective. I'm, I, and possibly this this could be why, you know, I, I was thinking, I thought you didn't like me. That's what I was thinking. No, Dex, I do like you. I don't know why you would think that. I didn't know, Did something I didn't, happen? No, I didn't know if anything had happened. I, I didn't know if anything had happened or not. I just, I, 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 I thought we had gotten along fine. I just... Anyway... My recovery journey isn't just about me. Uh I speak for all women who are sick of being mansplained when Mm. seeking answers to their unhealthy relationship with substances. Oh, incredible, incredible perspective. I'm your... You're, you're a force of nature. It's it's unreal. It's unreal. For $800 a year, I'll show you. Well, my employees will show you. So what, what do you do with Tempest? What does the membership entail? <sighs> you get a free copy of my book, Quit Like a Woman, oh, oh. and access to exclusive Tempest recovery group sessions online. Oh, so, so like Zoom meetings? Sure. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, I I go to those for free. Mm. Actually, Dex, I do dislike you. Oh, oh okay, okay. Jo- joke, jokes aside, okay, okay. It's all in good fun. Um, mm. I think really what the what would be of great value here for the listeners. Mm-hmm. What is the driver behind all of this? You know, you started a movement. Uh, you know, what what is what's behind it all? Right. What's your motivation? Unfortunately, outdated modes of recovery are keeping people like me, a straight, white, financially stable, yes. well-educated, cisgender woman from healing by reinforcing core trauma with labels like alcoholic or addict. Okay. Oh, mm. interesting, interesting. And so it went from being hip sobriety to Tempest sobriety. What? Why is that? Unfortunately, my publicist suggested the name was, oh, what did she call it? Smug and laughable, I think. <laughs> right. So right. now it's called Tempest Recovery, which is equally cringe, I guess. Well, sure. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. Available wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to, I want to, uh, say a couple things. First of all, I am a real man. My fake name is Fred. Yeah. I, <laughs> that was a foible. You have to forgive me. I'll edit that out. No, I'll, no, I'll, I love I'll it. I'll edit it. So it says, I, in fact, so fake, from now on, so fake man, real man, it'll just like, <laughs> <laughs> from now on, I only want to be referred to as fake man, Fred. <laughs> Um, that is an AA clubhouse name if I've ever heard one. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> fake man friend. Oh, who'd you who are you talking to? Fake man friend in the back? <laughs> He's like fake man friend is like the dude who has like he perpetually has like 35 days, like every time you see him. And he's but for some reason he always has like a key ring to the clubhouse because he's like living there. 
yes. he's all and he's always like it's like a you, you like stop in for like the tuesday two o'clock and he's like he's yes. always behind the counter selling coffees and like red bulls or whatever oh. Oh. oh that's good stuff god i haven't we don't really have any clubhouses around here like that you know mm-hmm. like um but they, we had some where i got sober and like right. um I remember like popping into those places. It was always the same four dudes yes. in the room. Like it was I'm like, like it didn't matter if it was eight a.m. on a Sunday. Every Ninety minutes. Do you guys even <laughs> go to any you guys of these do anything else? <laughs> oh my god! So uh, the other thing I was going to say was, um, you're right. When you initially got sober, we we didn't tell you to do ninety meetings in ninety days. That's ridiculous. We told you to do one hundred and twenty meetings in ninety <laughs> days because that's the only way to actually stay sober. You're extra um, sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, no, I was what well, what you were making me think of, John, as you were talking, um, and I, I couldn't agree with what you said more about the you know the most important part of it and everything else. And then I was thinking about the spiritual appendix Mm. because you know kind of what johnny was talking about this idea of like first like this is going to sound bad but i don't mean it bad like you were saying like oh these are the people i have no hope for i have like less hope for i have no hope i have no hope for anyone (laughs) like (laughs) i'm just at the point where i'm like unless you actively do this shit like you have no chance sorry like if you're a real alcoholic and you just whatever like if you aren't going to do it it doesn't matter so but there's always there's that line in spiritual experience that to me is like so important it says most emphatically we wish to say that any alcoholic Mm. capable of honestly facing his problem in the light of our experience can recover provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts and i think the key there is is that it's about me being honest with me, right? That's really the differentiator. And I think that's the difference between those two lines, right? In the, in the first line, um, he can't picture a life without alcohol. It's like, it's, I'm, I'm not yet being fully honest with myself. I'm not yet fully accepting my condition. Mm-hmm. I, I can be in that place. Like, you know, like John was describing, I can, I can be in that place where I'm like, I can kind of sense that things are not good. And, and I probably even if you were to like, give me a lie detector deep down into my soul, I would probably tell you that like, yes, I recognize that I'm fucked, but I would never be able to like admit that outwardly. And I would never truly be able to say that to another person. And like in that type of context with like a step work type situation. And it's not until I can get to that point where I can see that my life is fucked with or without alcohol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And that without this power stepping into my life, it's never going to work. And that's really, I think what it, you know, um, what it's describing there. And, uh, and it, it really does, man, you, the longer I stay sober, the simpler the instructions become. Mm-hmm. Not, not the, sorry, that's the wrong way to say that. The more wait, I wait, do, wait, the I did, I did it. Mm-hmm, I agreed with you. So <laughs> sorry. Are you saying I'm wrong? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. You agreed with me under false pretenses. Um, the more I actively, uh, put this stuff to practice in my life, the simpler it becomes. With that, I don't agree with. <laughs> <laughs> and no, with run, that, no, I'm run, run it back again. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, uh, and that, and that is all I have on that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to derail you. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I really was done. <laughs> got to make the uh, got to got to make sure the page one fifty one episodes are real crack up. 
<laughs> yeah, we got to bring the heat on this one. <laughs> yeah, I I think that um, I was also cracking up when you were talking, Johnny, because I literally think I'm I'm picturing all the stuff and then you say it, you know, because it's like where it says like unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. That is like, it's just like you said, like, okay, if you don't understand that, like, I, I think you might be in the wrong place. Like, I, maybe you got a DWI by accident or something, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Got drunk at your sister's wedding and then, you know, went to your car for a smoke and the cop said, hey, you're driving or whatever. You know, I, who knows what happened? Very specific DWI. <laughs> Not that, you know, <laughs> no one specific. Um, so... Yeah, you know, but if you have this thing and you read this page, you're going to you're going to get that. But the other thing is it's like hearing a recovered person talk about this page, um only recovered people get that. Mm. You know. I think when you've recovered from this condition and you hear someone else, like the first time I ever talked to Johnny, I I heard him speak in a meeting. And it was one of those times where you're like oh okay um that's a recovered person in a sea of unrecovered people Mm. you know what i mean um and it wasn't like he stood up and was like you know unfurling like a lambskin scroll of you know and there were like (laughs) trumpeters around him or you know it was just like this is a person who's speaking my language right but he's not speaking the language that I spoke with everyone I sat on a dingy sofa doing drugs with. He's not speaking the language that I sat on bar stools with, with people talking. He's speaking a language of recovery. And he's talking about a very lucid understanding of what the problem was, a very lucid understanding of what the solution would be, and a very lucid description of what the practical application of that to the problem looks like as a recovered person. Mm -hmm. And that just like this page speaks to unhappy drinkers, like that speaks to a recovered person. Like you're drawn to it. And I think in that state in the same mindset, when you go, and this is what I was laughing at, when you go to a treatment center and you hear, hear a, a dude who's like, he hears you talk and he hears you talk about the 10 step promises coming true and how the desire to drink has been removed. And then he shares and he's like, yeah, man, you know, that's happened for me too. And I don't desire it at all. And this and that. And, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, and he's like actively detoxing. And then you see him there three months later and he's like saying the same thing. It's like, it's just like, I don't, I don't know what's going to snap you out of that groundhog day. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, all, and all I can do is like keep presenting this experience that I've had. Right. But that is a weird thing that I think only people who are recovered and active in service work like that get that because you go and you go to these places over and over and you see those, that same dude. And it's not, you know, obviously I'm talking about a type of person, but you see this same person in every treatment center. I I've, I've done hundreds of these and I've seen them in every single one of them. Even if it's two dudes, one of those mm-hmm. guys is that guy, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And it's heartbreaking, you know? Um, but again, it's like, are you at the jumping off place? 
I, it doesn't sound like it. And I mean, it's just like, I just remember our, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on what it is, but sometimes you go to like service functions and you guys, oh, responsibility statement. Mm. Yeah, sorry, the responsibility <laughs> statement comes to mind just because it's like, how important is it that like when such a person does get to that jumping off place that they are presented with like the actual solution of Alcoholics Anonymous and right. not something else that uh, is going to then, right, uh, you know, prop them up in this state of like, you know, uh, well, you know, actually, I, I feel okay. Actually, like, I don't even want to drink, you know, like, um, there's a, there's like a, a point in this paragraph that like is a little misleading. I think that's why I like point to because it's relevant to what we're saying now. So it's like in this third paragraph, he will presently try the old game again. Why? What's the reason he's going to try the old game again? For he isn't happy about his sobriety. So I mean, you might read that and think, oh, well, if I was happy about my sobriety, then I wouldn't try the old game again. Hmm. So like, and I think that's misleading because I, I mean, if step one's true, right? When we learn about the disease, it doesn't matter if I'm happy or sad about my sobriety i don't have the power to stay stop <laughs> right. right and so when i say like um you know I, when someone is at the jumping off place how important it is for someone to know the facts about this book know the facts about themselves and then present that in a, in a clear and lucid way like you're like you're saying john um and not to be presented with a bunch of stuff that might you know um prop them up or 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 carry on this sort of misleading you know, clause here in that sentence where it's like, Oh, if you just like, you know, go to 90 meetings, 90 days and meet a bunch of sober friends and like, you know, you know, drink Red Bulls and like hang out with sober people. And I don't know, like do all like the fellowship recovery that like, Oh, then I'm going to, I'm going to be happy about my sobriety and mm -hmm. then I won't try the old game again. Right. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. So anyway, I, yeah, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. I think, uh, what, what I've been thinking about too is like, so we have a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are often finding our podcast because other people are directing them here and they might be newer in their journey, you know, so they may, they may not have experienced a hundred rehab stint, you know, not stints, but rehab meetings, bringing a meeting into a rehab or whatever. And, um, and so, you know, I think what this is making me think of too is uh, it's, it's brought me to page 96 where it talks about, you know, if, if you just keep going out to help people, right. Mm -hmm. You're eventually, you are going to find somebody um, desperate enough to, to, to accept what you are offering. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and as I was just kind of reading through it, you know, I, I, something just jumped out at me is like, it says, you know, we find it a waste of time. Uh, to keep chasing a man who cannot or will not work with you. I've always just kind of focused on the will not. Mm, and I've never yeah. really thought about the cannot, mm -hmm. you know, but the cannot is kind of the guy we're talking about mm. who really just can't see the condition he's in. It's not like, you know, he's the guy who's whistling in the dark, right? right. Mm -hmm. He can't work with you because he can't fully accept his condition. Right. But what I'm thinking of for, for somebody who's listening, who maybe is struggling because they aren't having success with getting people sober or they aren't finding success with getting people through the steps is, it continues on to say that, um, you know, your only aim is to just continue to offer this solution. And I will just say from my own personal experience, this is, this is what I've experienced. I've experienced 
um, the the whistler, right? Mm-hmm. And typically, when you carry a, a message of depth and weight into a meeting, and there are, I'm going to call them whistlers, <laughs> and there are whistlers in the meeting, okay, you will usually make them upset. Mm-hmm. Because you are directly, you are speaking to something that's in that's deep within them. Mm-hmm. They're trying to not listen to, right? right? This idea that they're actually not happy, and if somebody would let them have six drinks, they would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if they could pass the Marty, if they could try the Marty Man test, you know, <laughs> they would give it a shot. You know, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and so when you carry this message of depth and weight, you're actually like basically questioning everything that they're kind of made up of at that moment. And what often happens in my experience is two things. One, um, they drink Mm -hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing because that is the thing Then they come to and they say, holy shit, this whole time that jerk that I've been hating in that meeting was actually speaking the truth because I've just experienced what they were talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they, they don't necessarily drink, but they bring themselves to such pain in sobriety right? And everything they thought they were hearing in meetings is proven false, right? This idea that just by being sober, you're going to find this like happy, joyous life. And in Mm -hmm. fact, the opposite becomes true. They're they're five, six, eight years sober with a gun in their mouth. Mm -hmm. And and they're saying, well, how did I get here? Because everyone told me if I just showed up, you know, with a baked bean casserole at the (laughs) toothbrush meeting on Saturday night, you know? (laughs) Not that you know, no, no one in particular. <laughs> Talk about. I'm thinking of someone very specific. <laughs> I'm thinking of someone very specific. <laughs> you know who you are, old baked bean Barney at the toothbrush <laughs> meeting. What the hell? <laughs> We've talked about toothbrush meetings. I Go back to episode no fourteen. You're talking about. You've never been to a toothbrush meeting? No. I, is that like a midnight meeting where like no, a toothbrush, toothbrush meeting is so like you a... can like hook up with somebody? Boom! There you go. <laughs> oh, it's like wow. an AA key party. <laughs> yeah, it's like you go to the meeting with your toothbrush because you're probably going to wake up not at your house. Oh mm. God. Yeah, I feel like that's darker than page one fifty one. So. Woof. Just bringing all the hope here. I'm just bringing hope <laughs> to the new, to the to the uh, to the would be step taker. Speaking again, popped the... up, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, how convenient! I brought my toothbrush. Yeah. Can Can I just say something really quick? Oh, I just have a bone. Absolutely, to pick dude. Here, pick. So Ooh, like, a bone to pick. pick yeah, away. in the very the very next paragraph from what we just read, it talks about how like where am I going to find an adequate substitute? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like, um, uh, what drinking gives me, which is conviviality, companionship and colorful imagination. Mm-hmm. Where will I find an adequate substitute? And it says, ah, there is a substitute. It's the fellowship of alcoholics anonymous. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I just, I have a bone to pick. Cause sometimes when people read this in meetings and talk about it, they talk about like the fellowship as like a sub as like the solution. Mm-hmm. Right. Because like it, it gives me all of the good things that the alcohol gave me, and so now if I substitute all the stuff, the good things the alcohol gave me with the fellowship, hey, I'm gonna be happy in my sobriety. And I'm not gonna want to drink again, right? But like I just this is the this is the bone to pick is it's like well look it's not saying like the the fellowship is an adequate substitute for the solution. Right. It's just saying that this the fellowship is an adequate substitute for like 
you know, having your imagination fired and like having companionship, right. And conviviality, whatever the hell that means. Right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you're not going to be, you know, you're not gonna be bored or, or glum or whatever, right? Like you're going to have fun and sobriety, but all of those things are not adequate substitutes for the solution. That's going to keep you sober. Right. It's like, I just, my bone to pick is like, this does not say this, this, that fellowship is a solution. It just says it's going to like, you're going to have a fun time in the fellowship. But anyway, that's my bone. So I've done the thing at like a newcomer (laughs) meeting or like a treatment center meeting where, you know, everybody, they, they stop wanting to talk because they realize that the, everyone who came in is not going to talk about like meetings and like just prop them up with, you know, aphorisms and one-liners and advice and shit. Um, and so kind of try and do like an icebreaker, like, all right, who's getting out of here soon or whatever, you know, what cool. All right, Jimmy, what's your plan? You know, or whatever. Um, and then kind of gently try to take it back to kind of spinning off of the idea you're talking about. By just being like, all right, can I get a show of hands who drank or used when like bad shit happened? You know, you got dumped or you lost your job or, you know, whatever the, the dog farted, like what, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. And then, you know, who, who drank or used when, uh, they were broke, you know, and it was like, oh yeah, you know, and then, and then you flip it and just be like, okay, so who drank or used when you got a when you got a new job, you know, who drank or used when you, you know, finally finger banged your neighbor or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, and then I've had that experience where you go, okay, so who, who drank or used when you, you know, you're like living in a nice place or whatever. And then, you know, ha- half the room raises their hand and then a couple guys are just like, man, I never lived in no nice place. <laughs> and then it's just like, okay. And then like, immediately the alarm that goes off is like okay well i can check i can check jimmy off of the desperate list <laughs> just like, <laughs> refusing to even just play along with the analogy here <laughs> like, you know it's like we're, we're we're talking about an analogy here but the i would go even a step further with what you're talking about mm-hmm. i never now i used to i think i used to kind of do like a little soft version of this but i never uh, talk to anyone, whether they're like, Hey, can you help me? I get a lot of people who approach me who are like, I have questions about amends or blah, blah, blah. And then we like meet for the first time and I kind of feel them out for half an hour. And then eventually, usually where it goes is like, okay, so I'd be willing to go through the steps with you. Right. Um, and then we do that, but and that's kind of just where most of my like you know, twelve step opportunities have been landing lately. Um, but I I have started this thing. Well, I, I will never start step work with someone. I will never look at step one or anything until I explain to them what Alcoholics Anonymous is. Until I explain why it's important, and then I explain why I'm going to keep talking about this fucking book, and why every time they ask me anything, I'm going to talk about the book. And to me, in this context, it is a fellowship in Alcoholics Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is the program outlined in the book, especially when they're writing this book. So to me, what they're saying is this precise set of directions, this way of life that we've outlined in this book. If you do that, you will be part of this fellowship. 
you will be, you know, the page 164 stuff. Like, you're going to be on this this other path. You're going to be rocketed into the fourth dimension, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, the fellowship that we're talking about is is a fellowship of people walking lockstep in that work, in, in that precise set of directions. And I think... And so the reason that I preface step work every time with here's what the book says the book is for, here's what the book says it's how it's supposed to be used, here are what the success rates were when that was the only book we had in AA. Um, I preface it with that because so much of this stuff in here can be, you know, maybe even purposely, you know, misleading. Like people will use it to say what you were saying. Like, oh, mm. yeah. Right here, like, you know, I could see some meeting maker meeting right. format having that as like a little reading in their meeting. It, mm -hmm. Of course, we have a vastly more. It's <laughs> Fellowship and Alcoholics Anonymous, which is what you have now that you walked into your first meeting ever. And the right. guy's like, can you sign my, my paper? You know, and it's just like, what? I told you, I just blew the last thing. This is, this is my bone to pick. So I'm all excited about it, right? But this is the last thing I'll say. This is that when you were talking, going, reminded me of uh, 80, 89, right? Beginning of working with others. Hmm. It talks about life will take on new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, hmm. right? So I think that the fellowship that they're describing there uh, on 152 is the fellowship that grows up about you when you're doing step work, when you're working with others, yeah. right? When you're, when you're starting you know, meetings, when you're carrying the message, when you're, you know, meeting with sponsee, like when you're, when you're doing the deal and carrying the message, a fellowship will grow up about you. And that's going to like bring new meaning to your life. And it's going to be great. And you're not going to be bored. You're going to be, you know, exhausted and overwhelmed from doing too much, <laughs> doing too much work, you know? Um, but yeah, so like that's the fellowship that they're talking about, not meeting maker fellowship. That's right. you know, my, my two cents. And yeah. And, and you're exactly right because from 152 on, what is this? What does the vision for you talk about? Talks about here's how we started AA. Here's what we did. Here's how we started a group. Here's what meetings looked like. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's exactly what you're describing. It's it's creating the fellowship I cr I didn't know that I craved by going out and finally being selflessly useful to other people and watching them recover and do the same yeah. thing with other people. You know, mm -hmm. this is incredible shit. It gives me conviviality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a 13-year-old, so I'm still stuck on finger-banging the neighbor. <laughs> yes! Finally. So all I can think of is that, like, you're, like, in the rehab, and dude's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I relate. And then the guy next to him's like, but I'm your neighbor. <laughs> so that's like, why, that's why I keep it gender-neutral. <laughs> I keep it gender neutral oh, for that exact reason. All walks of life are welcome here. Any neighbor. Any neighbor. Uh, hopefully you don't live on a farm. <laughs> I was, yeah, I wasn't going to go there, Johnny. All right. 12 questions with our guest, gold medal winner, Johnny M. Mm. All right. Uh, you first or me first? I'll, I'll go. I'm okay. going to start off with a real softball. Okay. Here we go. Why are you laughing? Go ahead. <laughs> Why is it that your home group makes people want to quit Alcoholics Anonymous? 
ask. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, do you have an answer? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Can I ask you? No, um, <laughs> when you quit uh, your home group, how long will your departure speech be? <laughs> have you already got it saved in your notes? <laughs> and you just have to like copy and paste it into your text chain. Will there be music that has to play you off? Are you, you're asking me or Fred? Because I think Fred has left the home group. I haven't seen him in months. I was just—I just spoke there last month as a as a guest speaker, not as a. No, that's true. That's no, I, that's true. I I got asked to do a book study thing. Okay. Uh, serious first question. Serious, serious question. question. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, how long did it take you to do the steps? I don't exactly remember uh, precisely how long. Um, I remember I was into a man's um, about six, maybe five months, five or six months from the beginning. I was out doing amends. Um, yeah, so I definitely could. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know, but then. Uh, 10 step experience. I mean, I had that definitely like a year and a half in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Cause I mean like doing the amends took a, a really long time. So, um, cause I, I mean, I was very thorough with the amends. You know, I knocked on the doors and I was like, Hey, I have some money. I saved up for when I broke into your house and stole a bunch of shit. <laughs> you know, I, I had to go to the Petco and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here to make amends when I stole the receipts out of the trash can out front and grabbed shit and returned it for money. Um, you know, so I got, doing the amends took a really long time, but I got into the amends by about five months in. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, describe your experience with Zoom in 12 words or less. Oh, man. Is that, oh man, is that two words? <laughs> That's four. Oh shit! Six. <laughs> um, take take your time. To- tolerable. <laughs> Sufficient. <laughs> Sufficient. You're only gonna choose two words, okay? Tolerable <laughs> and sufficient. You got ten left. <laughs> you, got, you got ten words. Left. Oh no, I used all. Of <laughs> okay. Fair it's enough. sufficient. It's sufficient. I I wrote all new questions entirely for you. By the way, mm, that's impressive. This is something that Fred has done. That I like. I, I just kind of keep doing the same ones, so I had to step my game up. So I did not, because I swear I was like, <laughs> oh, we definitely asked him these before. No, he just told but... us the story about. Uh, that's right. Ripping the IV out of his arm. <laughs> oh, that's right. The Halloween story, yeah. It all blends together. Right. Um, okay. Question two, or whatever. My third, yeah, whatever. When did you feel the nearness of your creator? Uh, step five. Nice. Nice. By the book. Yeah, I had the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I got the book down from the shelf, and I got quiet for, what is it, 60 minutes? And, uh, yeah, wept. <laughs> awesome. Felt the nearness of my creator, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 
Um, I just I, I'll switch things up and I'll continue on the more spiritual side of things. Fuck, Mary, kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cocaine, heroin, yeah. meth. Sorry, is that a question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you, re- can you re- either repeat or rephrase the question? Okay. Are you familiar with the concept of fuck, marry, kill? You got to fuck one, no. marry one, and you got to kill one. Got it. Okay. I'm, all right, I'm so on board. Cocaine, yep. heroin, yep. C- c- methamphetamine, in case you don't know what meth is. <laughs> <laughs> Known by its street name, Meth. All right, we're going with uh, Fuck Meth. Mm. That would be a fun mm. one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kill cocaine. Because yep. you can't get ever get enough. Can't ever get enough of it. <laughs> Pisses you off. <laughs> Stomach ache if you do get enough. Fuck. Oh yeah. And uh, Mary heroin. Nice, but are you are you are you one of those can't get enough like running the steam in the shower to do the like, <laughs> to do, like <laughs> so you can go try and get more <laughs> up in there? I have definitely snorted water to try and get all the drip. That is for sure. <laughs> yes, perfect. Yeah. Earlier, John, you said something like about sitting on a couch and how you'd never experienced a conversation like that, like that whatever Johnny was talking about in that meeting, like when you heard him for the first time or whatever. And I was like, so you two weren't sitting around planning your Little Caesars franchise? <laughs> yeah, it's always the come up and the, the dingy oh, yeah. drugged in. I was like, yeah, yeah we're going to own this town. Oh, my God. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to completely revolutionize the way they do their delivery system. (laughs) So many great ideas. Let me get one more bump. I'm going to tell you all about it. Uh, Okay. How many meetings are you attending a week? And if you're going to Zoom at all, include, include that as well. I go to my home group each week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Population dwindling. More than we could say for some people. That's right. <laughs> made a made a commitment uh, to that group. <laughs> Somebody had to. <laughs> Damn. And um, the, I'd say, as far as meetings, uh, I was taking a meeting into a treatment center out here once a week, carrying a panel into treatment center consider that a meeting uh but yeah that's it i am only joking with you because about the the home group thing because i was uh super sick last week had the had the covid uh had as i had somehow avoided it for two and a half years or whatever it's been now got it last week dropped me to my knees and you know when you're you know when you're so sick you can't even watch television you know, it's like you can't even focus. And so I was like, just coming out the other side of that. And that whole thing started to pop off. It was like the first, it was like the closest thing I'd had to entertainment in like three and a half days. And so like, oh. I just kept waiting for more text messages to come through. I but finally, I was still, yeah, I was still just, so, t- yeah, go ahead. I, okay. <laughs> go ahead. I was still so tired. Like I wrote, I started text messages to, to John about this very thing, mm. but I knew I, I wasn't, I didn't have enough energy to continue the conversation. So I was like, I can't even get this started because i won't be able to like have the conversation the way i really want to have it i've done that so 
That's mm. why I'm just um, like, I'm that's like why, mid epic text to someone and I'm really excited yeah. about it. And then I'm like, I literally have no ability to reply to this if they reply. I can't keep this going right. <laughs> this is like, they're going to want to go on for an hour and I've got this. <laughs> I, so. I'm, I'm sorry. I was interrupting. I just had an epiphany. I finally, if I clicked what you were referring to about our dwindling. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, okay. Question three for me. Number three for me. Would you rather take a two-year commitment as DCM or a two-year commitment as the dude who scrubs the toilets at the church where your home group meets? You have to attend I mean, I'm, every I'm, DCM I'm, meeting. Sorry, I'd way. much rather be a uh, much rather be a DCM. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, like it's not, uh, yeah, I'm good on scrubbing the church's toilets. Have you oh, been? Like, in, no, it's. There's I a, haven't there's been a, to that church in two, sewer, two years. There's like a yet. sewer leak, like a pee trap is missing, and there's oh, okay. vapors filling the entire church right now. Ooh, that's <sighs> rough. I always felt like those bathrooms seemed pretty clean, but. Uh. How did your sponsor approach you? Um, well, I had asked this guy to be my sponsor. Um, this is the first first go around because he was really cool, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want that guy to be my sponsor. And I did my up to step three with him. And then he was like, so it turns out I'm going on a fishing trip to Alaska for the summer. So I can't do any the rest of your stuff. This is before Zoom, obviously, right? And uh, he's like, so your new sponsor is this guy, Charlie A. And uh, he's going to be your sponsor. So go, you know, tell him your, your uh, fist step. And I was just like, I don't know this guy. Like, I wanted you to be my sponsor. Like, you're really cool. What the hell? And it was just this total, like, step three experience was just like, you turned it over. Are you willing to go to any lengths? And like, here's the, you know, next thing in front of you. Like, this guy's your sponsor. And it turned out it was like, <clears throat> like an amazing sponsor and total uh like it all happened for a reason mm, but nice. uh, yeah that's how i got connected with him awesome all right um you're gonna have to listen carefully on this one okay oh this shit. might be a confusing <laughs> i might have you to rephrase <laughs> <laughs> okay posting on a sobriety social media platform about having to remind yourself to remain humble Weird or very weird? <laughs> Let's see about having to remind yourself. You're making a post reminding yourself to stay humble. Like you're posting about sobriety on a sobriety platform, and then you're and then you're like, I just I just need to remain humble. Right. Is that weird not or is saying, that very not, weird? Not saying like one generally needs to remain humble, or you specifically need to be humble. But someone's posting being like, I myself <laughs> yes. need to remain humble. Yes. Yeah, I'm going with I'm going with very weird. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> that one had a correct answer. <laughs> yeah. And you right. got it. Okay. So, yes. Nailed good it. job. That is a perfect back. 10 from the Belarusian judge for Johnny Mosley on that one. <laughs> he really he really threw that dinner roll. <laughs> um okay. Uh and you can't lie because you're on a podcast and it's a very serious business. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. book. Yeah. There you go. So, um, what would be the first meat that you would eat when you quit being a vegetarian? <laughs> the shade. <laughs> Dang. 
That's so that's so hard because I've gotten to the point where like just I'm like you know <laughs> no shame on other people but like it, just the thought of eating meat now is just so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> like it still smells good, right? It's like like obviously you know steak on the grill smells appetizing, but like so steak on the grill. There you go. <laughs> All right, All extra right, rare. Steak on the grill. <laughs> That question also had a correct answer, and you nailed it. <laughs> two for two on those. Mm-hmm. You hear that, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> you said I'd never be anything. All right. More meaningful than the gold medal. So, let's just stay in food corner for a minute. Mm-hmm. Which do you prefer? The regional cuisine of the Pacific Northwest or... <laughs> The regional cuisine of the Midwest. <laughs> this one also has a right answer. <laughs> it's weird you're asking me that because Johnny Mosley is not from the Pacific Northwest. Right. Yeah. Um, I, heard, I heard he has spent some time there, though. Yeah, okay. I believe. Yeah, he's probably spent some time in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, just say that I think Cameron Mitchell has a little something to say about this answer. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Pacific Northwest. Ooh. Ding, 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 ding. Mm. Um, but they don't have Raising Cane's chicken fingers in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Unpopular, unpopular opinion alert here. Uh, I actually don't think they're that good. No, they're not. I actually, yeah. Clarence, I was playing Xbox with him a couple weeks ago, and uh, when I said that I thought that chicken McNuggets were better, he he was he literally was like, "Oh, damn, dude, no way!" Like he was like offended. <laughs> and this is after he was like saying they weren't that good. So I was like, "Wow." Did you tell him that. Did you tell him that you like Nirvana? Because yeah. <laughs> you could burn two hours if you want. Just two easy throw two it hours. Away. Yeah. All right. Final question for me. Uh, is AA completely fucked? No. All right. Okay. Do you want to expand on that, or you don't have to? I'm just asking. As long as there are recovered um, alcoholics with this book carrying the message, AA is not fucked. All right. I liked your. I liked how your conviction. It was the only answer. Like, only question I had. A con- uh, I was convinced. <laughs> I had, a, I had yeah. any. No, you were convicted on that one for sure. Yeah. It was good. All right. I I did write a another one for you specifically, um, but I think I'm going to go with an old standby. Hmm. What's your idea of the perfect meeting? Mm. Uh, I, when you take a panel into uh, a treatment center or uh, an inst- any other sort of institution where you got a lot of new people and you're presenting the material in such a, uh, a way that has depth and weight and it, it connects and it pierces through all the rehab rhetoric or the crap that people hear about AA and there's at least... I don't know, one person or some uh, people that say, oh, fuck, I have that thing that you've just described. 
I am one of those real alcoholics and I have got to have that solution. And then like where that connection is made and uh, people start working the steps together from there. That's the ideal meeting. <clears throat> Very nice. That was a great answer. Great. Yeah. Nailed it. I think I got one wrong though. I think that I failed the Pacific Northwest cuisine <laughs> question. Uh, bonus right. question. Right. Got a B. Got a B plus. Yeah. Bonus question. Yeah. How do you define thirteenth stepping? <laughs> I, dude, it's not. It's not in the book. Um, <laughs> let. No, thank you for that. The, tell me the Cameron Mitchell and Raising Cane's all over the book. <laughs> right, right, right. But just tell me where uh, I have to, you know, be abstinent from sex for a year. Like where, where does it, where does it say that in here? Um, so I don't know. <clears throat> Fifth edition. Right. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Is it is going to is it going to say it in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a whole chapter called. But it'll say it in a language that's like a third grader can read it, so that way everybody <laughs> can fully understand. Well, then that would rule the out man. my chapter title idea. I was going to say we we wish to be the arbiter of your sex life. Put, puts his penis. What's well, an arbiter? In the vagina. Is that is that that guy who comes and trims the trees or? Yeah. See, no, that's, uh, well, that's 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 a whole other. That's like dad educated dad joke. Yeah, it's a, you it, you, have, you have to go plain language, plain language. Right, right. Dang yeah. it, multi layered. <sighs> yeah, good answer. But, you know, our, but our sexual conduct, you know, should not be uh, selfish, right? That's the ultimate test. Um, I don't know, Harmon. Are you Harmon that person? If not, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Grip it and rip it. <laughs> Spoken like a true gold medalist. <laughs> All right, Johnny, this is this is great, man. I'm glad we finally got to do a full episode with you, man. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't cancel again. <laughs> well, I was telling Fred before you logged in, he was like, is he not going to show up? And I was like, no, it would be my turn to show up. It was like, you guys each got oh, right, one. Right, right. I would have had to bail, yep. do the, the hat trick. But yeah, yeah, it was great, man. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we got yeah. to do this. Thanks, guys. And one, I'll let you know when this comes out so you can bring your total episodes listened to to a three, a resounding three. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll be happy with this one. All right. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Yep, take it easy. Have a good one.